Season 2, Episode 2. My name is Tobe Johnson, and you're listening to Strange Brow Radio. If you found us on a podcatcher of your choice, thank you very much. You can also find us on YouTube, and you may want to do that, especially for this two-part episode, because we are speaking to in-person from their active property, a guy by the name of Forrest, Forrest Walker. And Forrest and I go down some interesting roads. In fact, we actually go down some of his roads. I'll tell you more in a second, but thank you again to our sponsor, Feral by Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. You can get a load of the Alchemy Sound Devices. Let her know that you heard about them here, and maybe there'll be a special prize in your box at Feral by Aaron, only at Etsy. All right, we'll be right back. So spring is around the corner, hence uh, episode two, a season two, which was always meant for springtime in the Rockies. So we're right on time, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule, but that's why this is a two-parter. And uh, so you can hold out for part two. And I'll tell you more, like I said, about our guest here in a second. But I wanted to say, since we last talked, you had a chance to vote on the poll. Is a little convoluted on how to vote. I'm still trying to streamline and figure out why Facebook won't give us the poll button, which everybody else seems to have uh, available to, to vote on a poll. So you, you have to go to a link and, uh, and vote. And this was your chance to do it. You did it by Valentine's Day, and you're sending me off for, if not an overnight, close to an overnight at the uh, Slag Forest over at Maury Island, home of the uh, the precursor to Roswell as far as uh, uh, UFO crashes, or at least a UFO in trouble. Donut-shaped UFOs in trouble, dropping molten metal down into the Maury Island Forest. So we're going to go check that out. And I'm headed over there with uh, my certain items that you said I'm allowed to bring, including the dousing rods and uh, the camera, of course, and the copper rods. And then I'm also heading in with the Psyonix Color Night Vision camera, which will give the patrons over at patreon.com forward slash strange bow radio the extended night vision looky-loo at what's happening in the sky over Maury Island. So I will definitely be showing a little bit of the footage, of course, to everybody because uh, it was a crowdfunded camera that people helped buy, but mainly over at patreon.com is where uh, the money came to buy that camera. So they'll be getting the extra footage, um, but you'll definitely get some as well if you just want to watch it on regular old YouTube. Again, the algorithms over at YouTube uh, are a little funky and murky. If you go over there and watch a video, just write a comment. It doesn't have to be long to say, you know, chill vid or, you know, uh, camera angles blow. Whatever whatever you feel like you, you want to say about the videos that are up there, uh, the comments are, you know, the interaction part of the algorithm. And they like that. And so that just moves us up and up. So that's how you do that. That is uh, coming up here, uh, well, I would say in probably the next couple weeks, we'll put that out. Also, we are planning a road trip to the ET Highway near Pahrump and Vegas. And Rachel, the little alien, of course, will be 
on the destination here. Never done it before. Uh, I feel, you know, called to the desert now and again. And uh, looking forward to going out there and boondock underneath the shadow of Groom Lake and what is it, Tikaboo Ridge, I believe, uh, is where Jim Lear and Bob Lazar headed out. And I think maybe even uh, Bigelow might have been with Bob during one of those early trips in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, he was relating a story. If you haven't seen the new Joe Rogan interview, on Spotify, you can watch the full video. Um, just download the Spotify app and you'll find our podcast as well as Joe's. Uh, and he sits down for, I think, over three hours with Bigelow and goes into some of the deep uh, rooted history about, uh, well, you get a lot of Joe's perspective. And now that he can't smoke out because he's in Texas, I think the uh, alcohol gets him yapping along but i think eventually he's going to talk about uh, bigelow's uh, experiences with ufos at skinwalker ranch and i haven't got to that part yet but do check that out and uh yeah where was i oh alien road trip so we'll be uh we'll be doing that end of may and of course that'll all be available for you as a uh, youtube video or podcast or both so i look forward to that first time for me Okay, today, part one of my in-person conversation on the property of an extended experiencer. And I'm just peeling back the layers here along with him. Uh, we, we had met about a year prior through a mutual friend, and this is the first time I've been invited out to his property. So... I uh, I think I've just, you know, I'm taking my time getting to know him. He's taking his time getting to know me. Meanwhile, there's 60 acres of uh, beautiful old growth uh, all around his house, uh, private property. And so we walked and we walked and we walked after we had uh, done our initial interview. So this two-part interview will have that walk, uh, I believe, in part two. Of course, it'll be in part two. And we find some interesting stuff, especially on the way back home. And there is a mystery underground <laughs> at uh, Forrest Walker's uh, private domicile and extended property. So we'll see where this goes. It ain't far from where I live, by you know where the crow flies. So we will uh, hopefully have more to come regarding some of these mysteries here at. Uh, Forrest Walker's residence, but you're going to hear us uh, from his balcony overlooking Mount, uh, I think it's called Mount Olympus out here in the uh, Olympic rainforest, and it is a stunning day, beautiful day, and it was a great talk. You know, we were meeting for the first time and kind of getting a feel for our mutual positions, and there's a lot of metaphors being used. <laughs> along the way you'll you hear us talk about dancing <laughs> we never actually dance uh, a jig together here but uh, there's a lot of talking about uh, dancing here as it relates to the dance of the mystery of getting to know in particular the Sasquatch mystery and that's uh, what we're going to primarily be talking about here so this is part one of my conversation with uh a new friend, a new interview, and a new voice in this community, Forrest Walker. 
I've had a chance to get to know you for the last, I think it's been about 12 months since I've met you, but the first time I've been out to your property and, you know, it's a beautiful stretch of land. It's one that you've lived on for well over, I think you said 15 years? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just basically you, the trees here, and uh, one dog? One dog. One dog. And a mystery that circulates not only your property, but this general area. I mean, everybody knows the general idea of where I live in Washington. But the specifics of the things that have happened out to your property here is someone who I'll call an extended experiencer, someone who has had prolonged cat and mouse activity from, we'll just use the word Bigfoot. Um, you know, I'm looking right now at a spot behind you where there was what looks to be a blind put up by something that has been watching your general workshop area. So uh, before we get into those kind of interesting things and we'll be walking your property uh, somewhat this afternoon tell people a little bit about um, what you feel comfortable telling them because first of all you are uh, anonymous we're using uh, the name Forrest right now and tell people a little bit about yourself what you feel comfortable saying I guess it's the interrelationship between the land you live on and come to occupy and um, whatever it is that has been here um, and is here. Um, so that continues to evolve. Your understanding continues to evolve and change. Um, as a lot of people put it, I think it's kind of a dance when you invite whatever, uh, whatever responds. And I think if you tend to ignore whatever goes on, all of this phenomenon, um, it can kind of ebb away. Uh, but I'm constantly reminded in little ways that there is something here uh, playing around a bit and that does want to be noticed uh, if you have the eyes to notice it. But as you know, um, you can walk out and not notice a stick stuck in the ground at 45 degrees uh, over and over in different places or uh, bends or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just kind of depends on the eyes you have to see and uh, maybe the background you have to, to you know, kind of wonder right. what this is. And, uh these are not only your eyes, and I'm not going to name any names, but you've had people out to your property scouting out Bigfoot activity because they claimed, an, you know, no Bigfoot activity. And so they pointed out things to you as well along the way here. Have any of those claims that they've made, have they added up yet? Are you finding consistency on the things that they're saying? Oh, there's a hummingbird. Hummingbird just Yeah, behind. beautiful. That's yeah. a good sign. Um, are there any consistent uh, notes from each one of these people on things that they found? Well, I think anything in life, you can go to the individuals I've had out here that are, I guess you'd call researchers or people that you might know their names. Um, they have their ideas that they bring with them from their life experiences and, and what they know. Uh, and it may be in line with what I know or think, and it may not. Mm -hmm. um, I think the more eyes on something, the better, and the more that people can have diverse backgrounds and look at things. You might get information from me. Uh, I might get information from you. So um, people that have been out uh, point things out to me. I point things out to them. But for me, if it's a journey, uh, when I first started being aware of this 
these things going on here and wanted some answers, uh, I contacted a person that we both know and pretty much asked him to come out. At that point, I didn't really know him. And, and the, the thing was, please tell me if I'm full of crap and uh, if I'm imagining this. And, uh, you know, I, I just want somebody, because uh, who can you talk to? Um, somebody to have another pair of eyes on what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when other people come out again, they take their baggage with them. They take their ideas. But I think any of us in life to formulate an opinion on anything, you've got to have a lot of diverse opinion that you take or disregard. YouTube was a huge tool for me early on because I could look at some researchers or some people making videos and uh, they might refer to another person that they trusted and pretty soon you have a network of pretty uh, trustable people that have uh, kind of ideas in line and then you've got a lot of stuff that doesn't fall into that category that can be misinformation that might purposely or just by chance lead you away from some ideas and so I think you need to kind of round up in big foot and in life people that you can bounce ideas off of people that will tell you when you are full of crap in their opinion and and bounce back and forth with that and there you can start to formulate your own opinions and ideas now both the people that you had out here though have pretty unconventional ideas of what sasquatch is so let's start there you were not talking about run-of-the-mill primatologist or apers yeah apers out in your community would you be opposed to having an aper out here are you already leaning a certain direction to the where you'd feel like you'd be stepping back having an aper well anybody can come and see and maybe learn or have an experience or hear a story that goes into their database but you know if we talk about you know one of the really well-known researchers that's really into footprints um you know i was at a a, a convention type thing that you were at you know and and we were kind of chiding back and forth with the box he had himself put into that you cannot accept any data or stories from outside that box you know so for whatever reasons that person has to stay within certain boundaries and i think in science you know having any kind of boundary Mm -hmm. limits your scientific approach you have to look at everything um, not deny anything and um raven and uh and take all the input in, you know, and then you're going to process it through your processor that has all of your mm-hmm. crap, you know, that you, your limits and what you can think. So my experience here only goes to what I have physically seen. And then again, uh, if we get to talking about waking dreams and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, and just senses of, you know, vibes from feathers or whatever that you find that uh, you might discount initially, then you have to step back and go, well, you know, maybe this is something that's all in my head and maybe I've learned not to listen to these things that are all in my head mm-hmm. and maybe I should listen more to things that are all in my head and not try to get my gears meshed with the gears of society and everything else just to fit in because, you know, life is a rock tumbler and our edges are precious and when we all end up being smooth stones, you know, it might look cool to all the other smooth stones, but you don't have your edge anymore, you know? Right. So what is your edge? The, the edge is asking and questioning and, and sometimes getting in people's faces a bit, you know, and in the uh, just a tradition that I have of, you know, I'm not going to say the light is red when it's green, you know. You're very no nonsense. You're known for that in the community, right? People go to forest to get the real scoop. 
Well, I don't know, you know, all people, there are people that will avoid going to any individual that if their scoop is going to threaten their fragile construct of how things are. Yeah. And so I would look to people that uh, their construct of how things are can always change and morph and, mm -hmm. and go in different directions. And so if we look at the phenomenon here and you say Bigfoot and I, I that just always has this cartoonish connotation to me. I just always say Sasquatch. Right. Uh, but I wouldn't even say that because the more people I get to know and individuals that have been out here uh, might say, well, you know, that's a physical embodiment of something that is far beyond uh, an ape or an uh, uh, ape-human hybrid. And, you know, then again, I have the benefit of knowing that the Ketchum DNA study um, that has been disregarded a lot, you know, we both know people that were involved in that, uh, that meticulously gathered evidence and went to universities and came back with 80% human, 20% unknown primate, mitochondrial DNA running back 30,000 years. And so if you're looking for science, you know, well, that is science. That is what scientific approach showed us that this entity is. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if you get to apers, well, okay, so that's, that's what we've got. And that ape is running around here and sure is smart and can avoid us, you know, all the time. But then you start hearing other stories from sources that you kind of put some trust in. You go, there's something more going on there. Is there something in the human mind or something in a discipline that can make a human being able to run through walls? And then if Sasquatch is 80% human and 20% who knows what, um, can that entity then do things like that? Or if we have psychics or if we have empaths or if we have anything like that, remote viewers that science and the military uses remote viewers, um, science knows that is there, then why can't we think that, well, maybe this evolved humanoid uh, creature has those abilities as well. And then if you have that in a brain that is as big as ours or maybe proportioned to their body, and they don't have all the distractions of, hey, is my mic working? Uh, is that camera going right? Uh, I hope my girlfriend's doing okay. Uh, yeah, that guy needs to do this for me and I sure need a new car and all the stuff that is running in our heads all the time, the way we're wired up. If we were free of that and just in our environment, the natural world that we're in you know, here, um, over generations and generations, what would that humanoid mind be able to do? And so we don't know. And then the real question is always is, well, let's look back at us from that humanoid perspective. What do we have to offer to that consciousness? I don't think we have a whole lot to offer. Well, you're a pretty well-traveled guy. I mean, you strike me as kind of like an old beatnik type mentality like you would have fit in well with the Jack Kerouac kind of thinking like just roll with the rhythm of life and you know kind of you're very good at improvisation I can already see that just in the way you live your life as an artist so did anything strike you as, a, as someone in your 20s that hey because we talked a little bit about this inside here there was a moment where you thought wait a second life isn't like that I can have this whole other experience and your shifted thinking. So what was that moment? I suppose the moment was realizing that if I spend eight hours of my day doing any task for any kind of 
entity, corporation, business, whatever, uh, no matter what I thought at a young age that I would repel the badness of that or the negative parts of that that I didn't want to be, uh, that I could still be myself and be express myself and, and fall down and stand up and do whatever in life. I, there was an epiphany for me that I have to give all of that up. I have to jump out of the airplane and hope the parachute opens. Um, and I think everybody I know, and you talk about, you know, Jack Kerouac and all that. And, you know, I'm aware of, of that and those people. But I think if we're all traveling on parallel paths that you might see and connect, I don't necessarily know that person's over there traveling his path his way. Mm -hmm. I'm on mine, you know, and you may step back uh, with your analytical mind and go, well, you're like that. And that's always good information for people to say, well, you remind me of or that's this or that. Mm -hmm. But um, there's a lot of people I know that try to, to put on the mask of being like that. Right. And you're not that because you didn't travel that path. You know, you didn't strip yeah. down naked in the wilderness and go, I'm going to find my way and make my way. Yeah. And I'm going to fall down and get up and fall down and get up. And that's right. what's going to make me me at the end of this yeah. journey. You're not a live action role player or LARPer, as they call it. Someone who shows up in the costume of mm. someone that has this experience. You really have the life experience. And I know only a fraction of your story, but I wonder if you've ever toyed around with the idea that maybe that type of personality is attractive to these beings that are kind of nomadic and go where the wind goes and seem to come in when we're in these liminal states of transition. Have you, what do you think of that theory? Well, I think just like with you and me, we sit down and we start talking and I've known you, you know, a bit and, you know, the, hey, how you doing and what's, you know, what's your latest story and all that. But as we start having a conversation like this, we're having a dance. And so when I start uh, responding to phenomenon here, I'm engaging in a dance with the unknown. And uh, one of the phrases out there is read the room. You know, if you're out there spewing what you're doing and people aren't listening to it, well, you gotta kind of change your approach. You've gotta maybe not dumb down what you're doing, but you've gotta adapt so that you won't alienate people and you can try to get your point through. So <clears throat> if we are in a process of reading the room here with the phenomenon that goes on, um, that's what it's all about in life is reading other people reading the room and then establishing what your direction and purpose is mm. and that's really hard because we're all clouded with our nine to fives and you know what we do and very little time for ourselves um you don't get that um you know you think you do sometimes to step away for a day or two or go to the lake or do whatever or do this, <clears throat> or do this. yeah yeah so see what you're doing is in a way what I've done is that you're following your passion and your heart and um, maybe you would say as I do it's not about I knew what I would do I was always aware of what I couldn't do and what I wouldn't do and so when you start and so were they <laughs> and so you reduce down yeah. can't go there can't do that right. went there tried that gave it a good shot not oh, not yeah. going to be for me and so it distills down to well I guess this is that little trail I'm on you know and I don't know where it's going and all these people that are on the safe trail keep looking at me and saying there's nothing but bad for you down there you know well that's their idea if they went down that trail and, and their little bag of tricks they carry with them, you know. Which so. is interesting because you seem um, cautious about going down this trail of engaging. I mean, here you are alone in prime real estate for 
having contact. Um, but yet, it's at arm's length. I asked you if you went outside at night and did things like night sits or if you've seen the lights. And your answer was just like, well, I don't know if I'm going to do that or I'm ready for that or something to that effect. What this dance that you have the possibility of dancing, since I've danced it somewhat, um, what do you th- what do you think the consequences are of that that would negatively affect your life? It depends on what stage of your life you're in at any given time. If I'm at a stage of life where with work or personal things or whatever, I've got to put a huge amount of energy into those things. Um, as I mentioned to you earlier, uh, it ends up being, do I, am I being responsible by engaging another whatever in this dance? Am I a good dance partner? Or am I inviting somebody over that I'm not going to be a good host for? Do I have an idea of my end game? What do I want out of this? You know, what is my motivation? Well, I think in Sasquatch, there's a lot of people that want to be the one who brings it all together and shows everybody oh, yeah, just what is. Yeah. And, and so they want to be Jane Goodall or they want to be whoever and bring this all. And that ends up being ego and I think one of the main things in life, whether or not it's Sasquatch or whatever, is is getting rid of the ego and acknowledging when you've done good things or whatever, but not knowing, not saying, well, look at what I did, you know, because it's not the end of your story yet either. And so you might be, you know, way up high and at the best ever, but, you know, tomorrow the economy crashes and your little thing falls down. So then you're going to find out who you are and, and what it really is because everything gets stripped away. And can you rebuild maybe under different circumstances? Are you are you like the little spermazoa going to that egg and you're the one that's going to find that thing, you know? And so is any of that fear forced? I, I, I think if you're not wired up with fear in your DNA, you didn't survive the cave bears and everything, you know. So we have to be wary and, and look around for fear. Mm-hmm. But then fear is also related to fear of what what's the final price to pay. Well, nobody's getting out alive. Um, we're all going to go to wherever it is we're going to go to, and we all have very different ideas of right. where that is. So what am I afraid of? Well, is it the long-term, you know, starving to death and hassle of not making a living in this society and being homeless like a lot of people are or are not finding a place to mesh and, and be part of society? So we're wired up um, to fear not being part of the, the mass mind in the society. Uh, and those that do stray onto any other path um, are often looked a bit down on and quite often not understood because you have to construct that box around yourself with barriers um, to work within society to because you have the fear of not having a place to belong and unlike whatever lives out in the woods um, we are incredibly dependent on shelter and warmth and heat and you know these days food supply and the food chain and everything else so the fear is um as covid showed us well god what happens to me if the food chain goes down you know the food supply well here i am in a city you know and and i can't do anything you know so who am i i'm a component part i'm an ant in this anthill you know right so so i not to say that i'm not 
on my own anthill, you know, but it's a little bit different one than somebody that has to do a nine to five. So if you get back to fear, we've all got that fear. And if you get to physical fear about going out at night or whatever, well, they shot a 140 pound cougar out here uh, just the year I moved in. Uh, there are bear. Uh, I've walked up on bear a few times in my life, you know, and it's been fine, but it cannot be fine. Right. So no matter what you're doing at night, um, as, as helpless as we are yeah. really as little critters walking around the daytime, if we don't have our guns and whatever, uh, at night you're that much more vulnerable. So you've got to be at peace with that vulnerability. Your curiosity has well, the whole thing is, right now I'm talking to you is probably an indicator of it. Um, I backed off of the dance because as so many people, Christopher Noel talks about it. It's like, be careful. Um, somebody we know talks about it where he went out and engaged and they end up at his house, you know. Mm -hmm. So I go out in the woods and engage and they end up right in my yard, you know. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, so you're okay to come into our places that we sleep and live with our children and rumble around and do things and uh, sometimes it's uh, well how does this feel to you if we come back to you and so there's the mirror held up to you it's like what do you have to offer us you know so um as somebody told me, they know you, they, we are observed, you know, and whether or not we're observed just by physical beings and a blind we might go see that looks like it's watching the workshop, if we do have interdimensional or beings that can cloak and be right around us, you know, well, how much do they know about us? You know, how much do they know about your core person? Maybe that with all of your trappings, you don't know about yourself, you know, that, that you're a parasite on the planet. You're part of the machine that eats that forest up that they need to live in and everything else needs to live in. So you can say, well, you know, I'm not part of that, but well, your house is built with two by fours and you know, it goes on and on and on. So uh, let's go back to that quote that you heard from this individual about they know you. Hmm. What do you think of that quote? And have you got any proof of it while you've lived here that that's true? Well, just being uh, approached again, you know, uh, with the evening that I had the, there's three of us here, there's three of us here at two in the morning, and I'm just going, well, this is your head. And, um, you know, you're, uh, you, that's a name people put on it, so that means different viewers, things. Though, talking about telepathy, you're getting a message. Something, I'm head. getting something that's uh -huh. telling me this, and I'm doubting it, because everything that flits into your head, you can't act on, you sure. know, I can fly like a bird, eh, don't think so. <laughs> So, so that, but then me doubting it, then it's punctuated with a huge slap on the side of the house. So what's the statistical probability of an owl or something flying into the side of my house at the same time at two o'clock in the morning that I am having these thoughts, you know? So for me, that was a very important time that the slap on the side of the house and I'm building up my participation and reacting and uh, to structures or whatever's going on here on the property, uh, then I felt like it was, okay, here we are. You're going to step out on that deck and, and, and see whatever you see or do whatever you do. You know, are we going to grab you and take mm -hmm. you in? You're never seen again. Are we going to give you the gift of knowledge of everything we are? What, what, what is, what are we about? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I won't say I failed, but I decided to turn on all the damn lights and not go out on the deck. Um, and right here. By the deck, you mean step out here? Yeah, step mm -hmm. out. Well, that 
mind speak, as you say, is going on and something slapped the side of the house to punctuate it into this realm that, yeah, there's something physical here um, that is doing this. And so at that point, uh, and these thoughts go through your head all the time, you know, what, what am I here for? What am I doing this for? What's my end game? And that's a really important thing for everybody to wonder, you know, what is my end game? What, where am I going here? And so again, if I respect what this is, um, I'm not going to invite you over if I don't have time like we are right now to sit down and, and discuss. So in my mind, if I start down that road again and entice and dance and all that, I can get things back to the level they were at one point. Uh, and where do I go from there? Well, it's several years later. I'm in a little different space in my life than I was. And maybe I can take some time to do that and see where this goes. But it can't be out of ego. I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be this. You know, I think it can help my understanding. But I think you know that there's a cap and a limit on what we get to know and understand. You know, uh, one of the people we know is just like, well, you know, this is a national security issue. This is something that if you don't think every government agency that possibly could be hasn't researched this thing and knows what it is and wonders if the Russians have it and you know, can weaponize it or whatever, um, you know, that's that's not what I, you know, want to be involved in is, is, you know, what do I have to offer you, you know? And so for me, well, what I have to offer that if you know me, as that person said, mm -hmm. I offer you that I love your home as much as you do. I'm sorry I shoehorned in here and put a structure and, and live where maybe you used to sit on this knoll and look out at those mountains, you know, and maybe your grandfather did and maybe generations back you have, and maybe I've disrupted, you know, your use of this place but if you know me you know that i value it the same as you do and i want to preserve it as much as i can mm -hmm. but i have to do it in my toxic way of being human and going out and making some kind of industry and and using resources and mm -hmm. all that but for me the question in life is can a human being that turns out to be me live a life and do all the things one needs to do to survive and the term today is carbon neutral, but can I leave more and disturb less than I took? And I think somewhere in the great orb of knowledge that we all go back to, there needs to be somebody that, you know, well, you could never do that. Well, that was doable, you know, that, that can, could be done. And the timing of the times you live in, you know, f economics and everything like that, um, you know, the, the cities grow and change, you know, and 40 years ago in this region, there were more opportunities and different opportunities than there are now. So you take into account, I'm lucky and blessed to have walked in these times in these steps. I lament that, um, you know, the younger folk now coming up don't really have the same options and, and uh, you know, opportunities and everything. So, you know, for me, that's, you know, do they know you? Well, I hope they know that this is what I'm about is to right. not disturb their Have they world. given you specifics uh, that says, well, A, we'll uncover a little bit here that you're an artist. Have they done anything, for example, to say, hey, we're artists too? Have you seen any little signs of uh, humanity or mm -hmm. culture from them? Well, I think if you cut to the photograph I sent you of what I call the star, mm -hmm. that is a beautiful thing. And when I first saw that, um, I looked at it 
And what I was struck with was the dexterity it took to make it, the intricate weaving, the symbolism. There's a lot of dexterity going on. There is a lot of artistry there. It's maybe an abstract piece, uh, but, but something took um, all of these disjointed pieces of wood and sticks from out in the environment and put them together in a certain way mm -hmm. and constructed something that to me represented a star raised above a mass below, you know? And so what does that mean? What does that represent? Well, what does an abstract painting mean or represent anybody? You, you approach it with your ideas and your burdens and your walls that you have, and, and that's what it is to you. Mm -hmm. So if you look at that picture of that star structure, it's gonna mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and somebody will look at it and go, well, that just all fell together that way, you know? And you can try to prod them to, but how did that piece go over that piece and be woven through that piece it's just a way well, you're, you're just silly you 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 know that's just happens in the yeah but yet you seem like a level-headed guy enough to the point where you understand the skeptic in your own heart saying well you got to experience these things for yourself it's very difficult to walk out on someone's property and follow along with their narrative here you know the land better than anybody else and you're no stranger to understanding you know, the particulars of sticks and wood, by any means, you should understand that very well. But you, um, how often do you see stick structures out here on your own? Or do you, do you have other people point them out to you? Um, I find them on my own. I uh, have individuals notice them. And, you know, like I say, I told you a while ago, I think I was out looking on a, a piece of property I don't go to a lot and looking for structures and everything. And I wasn't finding anything. And for some reason, I was also taking pictures of just the forest and everything. And for some reason, I'd set the timer on the camera um, to uh, take a picture. And uh, I decided it wasn't going to work, and I put the camera down, and it took the picture as the camera's down towards my side. And I looked in the screen, and there's a small stick structure there that I hadn't seen I was almost stepping on. And so that calls into question all kinds of things. Well, am I imagining that, you know, uh, was it this weird synchronicity thing where um, I wasn't seeing anything and something put everything together? And it's just like, well, here it is in your viewfinder you know right. and now I see it you know and, and so once it was kind of pointed out to me that way I started to see it so um, as you say, if we go walking around, you have things you look for, things you've seen before. I've been out with other researchers that have certain things that they know to be true and um, certain things that they look for. Mm -hmm. uh, one researcher I was out with a few months ago at dusk, we would go out walking, um, you know, starting off at, you know, in the summertime, eight o'clock, seven o'clock, and walk until dusk and then walk back, you know, at dark. Um, related a story uh, of being out with a pretty well-known Lakota individual that, that has a lot of experience with Sasquatch and coming down a trail, uh, I think after having some rocks pegged at him and everything, there were the sound of birds, but they were an inhale kind of bird sound mm. that was not 
noticeable or, or identifiable to this person who then went to the Audubon database and tried to find that sound and couldn't find it. And the individual she was walking with um, said, well, that, that's Sasquatch. And uh, well, it can't be, it's Sasquatch, it's, it's bird sounds. And uh, so that individual, again, you know, uh, was out with a lot of different individuals whose name would be known and got into a lot of mindsets and realities of a lot of different people from apis to, to woos to, you know, everything else. And so we were out and uh, robins are singing and, and doing their thing at dusk and she goes what well, do you hear that and I, no no i don't hear that well no it's it's that that sound that's you know it's not a bird and no i don't and that person got right up in my face and says away and goes you don't hear that and at the second she did that up about five feet above my head to the right a very loud inhale bird sound um, happened and i mean right there and uh, okay so it did an unknown species of bird that um, you know she's not able to um, identify um, do that just by chance right. or was i being whopped up side of the head just like i was whopped up side of the head when i had the the mind speak uh, with the side of the house being hit was something just saying yeah you know, we are here. You know, this is something to be yeah. considered. All right. So there is part one of part two, my conversation with Forrest Walker. And you get a sense of us getting to know one another and uh, our own mutual perspective. And he's a super cool guy. And I wish I could tell you more, but uh, he's a cool cat. And uh, I'm glad to meet him. And uh, part two is uh, only going to get better. So uh, definitely tune into that. Like I said, if you want to uh, go to YouTube, you'll be able to actually see us have this conversation. And because Forrest uh, doesn't want to be on camera, you'll get the uh, cowboy side of his jean jacket and cowboy hat as we're overlooking the mountains there. It's a, a great view, except for the fact that I'm filling up half the, half the screen there. But uh, then we head off into the woods, and you'll be only be able to appreciate that except for the theater of mine. And I should go to see the real thing over at YouTube. So when you go over there, just hit the... Uh, like button thumbs up button share it if you can and then just uh, leave a brief comment doesn't have to be long just uh mention something in there i appreciate everybody subscribing uh to the channel there and uh give us all sorts of flexibility to do some cool stuff this summer including uh, i do want to mention this that we are having a conference coming up may 1st and 2nd Again, just like we did before with our Sasquatch and Anomalous audio analysis conference that we did uh, uh, last month, we're going to do that again in May. This time uh, we're having uh, two guests in. I'm going to tell you more about them and the structure of uh, everything coming your way. Uh, we'll be doing a good majority of this uh, conference virtually, but you'll be able to join in uh, live from wherever you are and and pipe your big beautiful face on the big screen if you want to and and speak with the uh, speakers as we uh, all meet and in little old arlington washington and i'll tell you more about that uh coming up all right coming up next week will be part two to my conversation and video with forrest as well as i think after that will be the maury island slag forest video I think weather should clean up by then i will let you know stay tuned and of course if you'd like to talk to me get a hold of me at strangebrowradio at gmail.com and shoot me a message all right i'll see you in the trees